subcontractors now need to understand their contracts and the impacts of risk on their contracts. How can we structure our business as a high cash flow business? How could that, I guess, as a business model, and I know we're not necessarily talking about that, but as a business model, you have companies which have all their eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. They're not going to multiple different revenue streams. Mm -hmm. How could like the contracts have helped that person? Hey, just quickly, um, you'll notice that we don't do any ads or take any sponsorships, and we want to keep it that way. We want you to be able to just come in, get what you want, um, and then go. Um, in saying that, though, podcasts tend to grow via word of mouth, so if you could just click the three use your thumb click the three dots share it and um, to your friends uh, anyone who's in the construction industry so they can get useful helpful advice so they can ultimately um, make more money um, and stay in business over the long term and I will love you till the end take it easy Hey, Construction Legends. So I was interviewed recently on the Constructing Art podcast with Kendrick Myers. And this is a two-part episode. So in part one, we talk about what is happening in the construction industry right now, the need-to-know factors you have to consider before signing a construction contract, and what is cash flow indigestion. At the end, we chat about all about escalation of rates and how that can kill or save you if you get it wrong. Very, very important enjoy. G'day Constructing Artists, I'm Kenny from My Clatters and this is the Constructing Art Podcast. Today I've got an interview with a, a man that has a podcast of his own that he calls you Constructing Legend, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, from that, his name is Kian Brennan. He is the CEO of a company called Quantum Contract Solution. Kian was on the dark side, which is the client side of construction for almost two decades. Over this time, he saw hundreds and hundreds of construction companies being bullied contractually, losing money and going out of business. In 2019, after becoming deeply concerned with the state of the industry and having inside knowledge of how clients manage their contractors, Kian started Quantum to help constructing contractors, like myself, not go out of business. Fast forward to today, Kian has won a 40 under 40 award, a best of business award for innovation and outstanding growth, and a finalist for entrepreneur of the year in the CEO magazine and business newspaper. I think we could all be very, very excited with that, uh, Kian. Quantum, Kian's company, being on the coalface and having deep knowledge regarding to the risks that are being applied to construction companies. Uh, he deals with the, their payment issues, disputes and insolvencies, giving Kian a unique insight into what's really going on in the construction industry. Kian's company has the data and can seek impacts on the construction industry before the issues reach the mainstream. And due to the large number of companies that Kian works with, he can see what companies contractually and strategically, but what works contractually and strategically, and more importantly, what doesn't. Kian what a rap sheet and welcome to our podcast thank you very much um, I, i'm not sure if we're doing video here as well as podcast or just audio but i think the viewers should take note of your amazing hawaiian shirt that you have on it's very cool <laughs> thank you thank you very it's actually a trademark i'm a big supporter of the it's for mental health it's to start a conversation and uh, a couple of local brisbane boys put that together and you can get these and on on you'll see me walking around in these crazy i call them an aussie hawaiian shirt so good to see you pick that one up yeah it's cool i like them an aussie hawaiian shirt there's kind of a mix of cultures there um, all in one pretty cool yes yes so today you're going to be giving us some information on how we can as contractors can not go out of business essentially with the power of contracts yeah so just just to kind of chunk up a level I'd, I'd like to say so it is just if we have a conversation about the industry in general and so construction typically is is quite behind other industries 
industries, IT, pharma, just all of the more advanced things. They're ahead of us in business structures, business systems, technology, and construction is pretty low to adopt new technology, okay? Apart from machinery and automation and stuff, obviously. And so while that is the truth, it's starting to catch up. And so what that means in the industry over the last 10 or 15 years is that your average construction company, your average main contractor, general contractor has gotten far more advanced in their corporate governance processes. And so while they have gotten more advanced, they've gotten companies like McKinsey, Bain, all of these PwC consultants to come in and advise on strategy. And so strategy has changed from, you know, dishing out fair contracts to subcontractors to pushing all the risk down the line contractually. And so now we're in a situation where it's changed so much that relationships have changed in construction. That used to be quite a relationship-based industry. Now it's a lot more legal and contractually based. And so you can find yourself in this problem where the, the guys who have the least resources to be able to handle complex contracts, subcontractors typically, have the worst contract in the whole chain. So you've got the owner at the top, you've got the main contractor, general contractor, then you got your subcontractors, trade partners, whatever you call them around the world, it always changes. And so that means that the subcontractors now all of a sudden have this additional risk that they didn't have maybe 15 plus years ago, and that is massive. And so the impact of that additional risk on them is companies are going out of business. And the construction into stats at the moment are, well, the, the stats generally are 26% of all insolvencies come from the construction industry, full stop. Wow. And secondly, the amount of insolvencies and companies going out of business in the last quarter, uh, never mind the last year, has been the highest since before the GFC. So right. more than kind of tracks up again, more than like about 15 years ago, roughly. And so that is important. And subcontractors now need to understand their contracts and the impacts of risk on their contracts. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. 100%. I get what you're saying. Yes. Okay. So what a lot of problems that they have is that a lot of subcontractors are of the impression that if I try to negotiate, I'm going to lose the work. And so they don't negotiate and they just sign on the dotted line. And if what that puts you in a position is if things do not go perfectly, that you're putting your whole company at significant risk and a big risk of losing money, not getting paid. And if that does happen as well, that ultimately you end up in a situation where you do have very little recourse and you go out of business. And another thing that we're seeing at the moment is main contractors, general contractors are going out of business too. And so you might have performed the work perfectly, but now they don't have the cash flow to pay you. And then you're in trouble as well in that way. So there are a lot of the problems that are, are happening in the industry at the moment. And there's different ways that we can look at tackling each of those problems. Yeah, look, I've been someone on both sides of that from having a builder go bankrupt on us and our ability to, to submit payment claims on time or not correctly to the contract to the point where now, and we lost significant amount of money to the size of our business, where now in our business, we make sure that that component never happens again. However, there still is the risk of builders going out of business and those things you talk about in making sure that all of our ducks are in a row so that if something happens, it's not going to shut us down because one month's worth of, say we're doing a $500,000 contract and one month is $250,000 claim, that can cripple us really quickly if they do not make their payment. Yeah, 100%. So 
So we talk about contracts a lot, right? Because really the contracts are incredibly important to the financial health of your business. And so understanding what each clause in the contract means is very, very important on how it impacts you. Now, what we kind of don't want to do is we don't want to negotiate your contracts where you go through each line and maybe like a lawyer would do and try and tear out everything. We want to figure out what actually makes a difference to your business from a risk perspective and how can we reduce it as much as possible while still obviously taking on a risk of the project itself, but having it at a level that there's two key people. There's a book called from Keith Cunningham called the wrote less stupid a very good book for anyone if, if they want to have a read and also warren buffett whom we all know and they both talk about the downside risk and so most people think about the upside opportunity which is great of course the upside opportunity but really most businesses will trend upwards over time slowly and if you're doing a good job which most people would, would like to be doing that's how your company grows over time and so we did an analysis of our clients and what makes the successful client successful? And, and one of the things is obviously the longer that they've been in business, the bigger they are. And so how do we optimize to stay in business a long, long time? The goal of business is not to start a business. The goal of business is to stay in business. And so if that's the goal, if we know we can stay in the business a long time, we will grow naturally over time. So then it becomes an all the big companies understand this, right? That's why main contractors, general contractors have armies of contracts and lawyers on their team. They understand that the downside risk is more important in that if something goes wrong, so the example that you gave with a builder going out of business or anything similar to that, if something goes wrong, we don't want that thing that goes wrong to put you out of business. We want the thing that goes wrong to have a little dip and then you can continue your upward trajectory. But if that is, you have an upward trajectory and then all of a sudden you had this massive crash that sets you back five five years then you grow again and it might happen again and you never actually get out of that cycle mm -hmm. so what we're trying to do is over a longer period of time is to stay in business and when the bad thing happens is just have a little dip and then you go on and you grow again a little dip and then you go on and you grow again that's the way successful the companies that have been around for a long time stay in business now the subcontracting industry even though it appears to be quite risky is actually actually better than the main contractor industry. Let me explain why. So a lot of people talk about payments and stuff, and there's obviously tons of strategies to get paid. And I'm happy to chat about that later on. But from a business model point of view, your general contractor, main contractor are essentially a finance company. So they will, first of all, they'll win the work from the client. They get a loan from the bank to fund the project, to pay, to subcontract that all the work to the subcontractors. And they make money from the delta between the money they get from the client and the, the repayment back to the bank. That's how they make money. So essentially they're a finance company, if you think about it, okay. but they don't actually do construction. Most of those larger companies. And so they're only worth the projects they have on their books. And obviously the risk is high to them when interest rates go up, which is what's happening there and projects not being delivered. That's their risk. And that's why they are really suffering right now. The subcontracting model is actually, while you're further down the chain of getting paid, which isn't good without a doubt, your business model is better in that you supply one thing to one person more often than not. And you have systems and processes to do that one thing. You typically have assets and you have equipment. So as a valuation from a company, it is a much better model. You just have to get over that payment hurdle. And if you look at some of the largest construction companies in the world that have been around a long time, it isn't main contractors. 
right? And there are obviously some that have been around, like Turner in the States, obviously is one of those ones that's been around for a long time. But most of the large construction companies that have been in business are subcontractors like steel fabrication companies that have been around since the 1920s, 30s, or other different companies. They've been around a long time. So how did they do it? And they do it the way that I'm saying it's minimizing your downside risk. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, if you minimize risk from any investment, if you see everything as, I see everything as an investment when it comes to a project. Yep. So if they, if everyone's looking at it as an investment, you want to minimize that risk. So you're completely, yep. yeah. And so if we're trying to break it down, how can we be a successful construction company and break it into three different elements, right? So the first element is, well, okay, I'm not going to talk about delivery of a great product, right? So I'm not an expert in cladding, right? You are. So you know how to, to deliver a great product, but that that is what most construction companies only focus on is that particular thing. And yep. so that is great because if you do a great job, you're going to get referred work, you're going to get additional work and have a great reputation. That is a part of the puzzle. The next part of the puzzle is one is the risk. So negotiating your construction contract and then in the post-award phase, managing that well. That's very, very important because that will minimize your downside risk. And then the next thing I want to talk about is cash flow. So most construction companies don't die of starvation, they die of indigestion, which means their cash flow gets restricted and restricted and restricted and restricted until they can't pay anyone anymore and they go out of business. So no one goes pop. Most people go out with a bit of a whimper slowly mm -hmm. like that. Just, and so just hanging on, hanging on. So what we want to do in that scenario is how can we structure our business in such a way that that doesn't happen? How can we structure our business as a high cash flow business? And so if we look to the, some of the biggest suppliers in the industry or is if you look at Siemens and GE, Okay. So these guys are just huge. If you think about it, they're absolutely massive suppliers in the construction industry. They do turbines and oil and gas stuff as well, but that's not really what I want to concentrate on is, is their business model. And so their business model is you want to purchase this thing off me. And so I want a massive down payment. Then I will go and produce the thing. And then you pay me the rest of the money in milestones as we go. And then I have a maintenance contract for this thing for 20 or 30 years, right? That is the best way to structure your business model. You know, if you can move from where you are now, which is probably I'll perform the service and you'll pay me 60 days later, if you think about it. So I'll do the service. We'll wait till the end of the month or I give you my invoice and then there's 30 days. So really it's 60 days. And then, so you have to fund it for 60 days, right? Real quick and we'll get back to the show. If you don't have time or you don't necessarily have the expertise to review and negotiate your own construction contracts, please go to quantumcontractsolutions.com, book in a call with our team, and we'll show you exactly how we can help you sign better contracts that have way less downside risk and set yourself up to make more profit on that project and ultimately keep you in business over the long term. It's what all the smart construction companies do. So go to quantumcontractsolutions.com. Now let's go back to the show. Whereas in the GE model, you get paid up front. So your cash flow is immediately high. So you're able to cash flow the project and you get paid in milestones as you go through. And then so your cash flow is high the whole way through. As part of that, going back to the post-award phase of contracts, if you're really good with your contracts, you're, you're getting your variations, change orders across the line, EOTs across the line, you're going to get paid quicker and that's going to help with the cash flow thing as well. That's very, very important. So if we can get the risk down, as I said, and then we can work on your business model to change it. So you're asking, you're changing it so you get more money up front and you get more money splattered in the middle rather than you know having to wait for your profit, which is a 10% retention in a year's time. 
which is your 10% margin, which most construction companies are in, we can structure it slightly differently. Then you're going to be way better at all the biggest, best construction companies do this. And so how do we, if you're just a regular subcontractor, how do you start implementing that model? Or how do you start moving towards that model? One is to ask for prepayments, very simply. And there's lots of different reasons where you can ask for a prepayment. One is you can say the market is the way it is. I need to secure materials. I need to secure people. If you give us a prepayment, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm going to deliver a better product product for you, right? So you put it in as a line item. This is what we need. A lot of people, if they're smart, they will think, yeah, that's a good idea because that is the case in the market at the moment. Second way is you can offset it against the total value of the contract. You can say, if you give me a prepayment of this much, I'll knock a percentage off the total contract value. And your game for that would be trying to make up that margin via changes and as the project goes on, which is how to go about doing it. So that's kind of how you manipulate the business model. So if you can change your business model, to suit that, you will be able to have way better cash flow and you'll be doing those two things. You'll have reduced your risk, so you're going to stay in business longer. You can have better cash flow, so you're going to stay in business longer. And you're basically shoehorning yourself into staying in business for a much longer period of time. Yeah, well, it seems so simple. The whole fear of asking a head contractor for those things, especially when you're in the box seat for the job, you're at the post tender part and you go, well, we cross lines off. We know we haven't included this. We haven't included this. But to go and say, hey, how about 20% up front or a discount from that and then working it back. That just seems, you make it seem like that's what I should have been doing for the whole time. <laughs> it's obviously these things are, you know, the concept is simple, mm. but the, the implementation to get there might be harder or might be out of your area of comfort. And so, mm. you know, I was talking to two CEOs that are clients of ours or managing directors or whatever, or general managers, whatever they're called in their company. And I was, you know, on a call, it was the same day and I was on a call with one CEO and I go, have you ever tried to ask for a prepayment? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've been doing that for years, right? And I, I, and I go, how, how often does it work? And he goes, yeah, every time. We get it every time. Same industry, same type of company. Chat to the next guy and he's like, no, no, they'll never accept that. No, we don't ask for that. I never accept it. So a lot of it is the perception of what you can actually get away with. And one of the things that I want to really emphasize, particularly, this is more of a business thing than it is construction. But if you are able to have better margins and you're able to charge more money and you're able to have better cash flow, which we all want, but we're for whatever reason scared to ask for it, lots of different things happen, right? One is when people pay more, they pay attention more and they value your service more. And so they've done lots and lots of different studies on, you know, they had three bottles of wine. They're all the exact same wine, nothing different about them except they had three different price points. And they asked people which was the best one and they almost everyone chose the most expensive one, same bottle of wine. And so people value what is more expensive. And so mm -hmm. again, I had an example of, I'm not gonna throw, but my, my wife's sister was looking for a wedding ring. And we were in, in Europe one time on, on a holiday years ago and they had got engaged, but they said they'd buy the engagement ring when they're in Europe. And so we went around and as we were on this three week holiday, which was very nice at the time, pre-kids, we used to go into jewelers in the different place and we'd look for this type of ring that she was kind of almost a game where we all knew the type of ring she was looking for. And then in Italy, we found that ring and she's like, this is it. This is the ring. And he goes, how much is it? And the guy goes, $3,000. And she instantly didn't want it. And the reason she didn't want it is because he wanted it to be 10 times more expensive, right? Yeah, and yeah. So if, the, it was, if it was, was $25,000, if I, she'd I be like, yeah, ring. same ring. Yeah. yeah. And so that is a concept that people need to understand. So let's just say we get over that and we start charging more for our services. People say, I'm, I'm not going to win work. I get that, right? If you're only competitively tendering. Mm -hmm. But if, let's just say you 
you're able to get referred work or repeated work, different acquisition channels. And people know you, yeah, they're more expensive, but they're better. And so yeah. a lot of clients will opt for that because they think that you're better. And the reality of that scenario, you got what we call the vicious cycle of tendering, which is you're bidding for work, you go lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And the, the thing is, there's always someone willing to go out of business quicker than you are. So you go lower, That's lower, my lower. favorite saying of yours, by the way. Yeah. And then if you, over time, you win work, but your margins are smaller because you're competitively bidding all the time, which means that your actual service over time goes down because now you can't afford the best people. You can't afford good people. You can't afford the best equipment and so your actual deliverable goes down which means your reputation goes down and then you stop getting referred work because you actually don't do a great job right mm -hmm. and then you spiral down the way the spiraling up the way is if we have a good cash flow we have a good margin we're able to hire the better people we're either to have better equipment and ultimately you produce a better outcome which means you get into this virtuous cycle where your reputation starts to increase and because your reputation starts to increase, you can charge more money. And then you start running on that hamster wheel up the way rather than running on the hamster wheel down the way. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, so yeah, that, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. It depends on the, every different type of business is different, but trying to move towards a better business model will make a huge, huge difference. And Kian, with that and the industry the way that it is right now, I'd imagine that is more imperative being that, like you said before, since GFC, there's more, let's say, builders going bankrupt or out of business than ever before. And with one going out, a whole heap of people get affected by that. And mm -hmm. I've seen numerous, I've seen, for example, another roofing company go under in the last year because they had a whole heap of work with one particular builder mm -hmm. and that builder went under and they just went, they couldn't stand up. And so they've now gone and they work for someone else and they lost. So in that scenario, how could that, I guess as a business model, and I know we're not necessarily talking about that, but as a business model, you have companies which have all their eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. They're not going to multiple different revenue streams. Mm -hmm. How could like the contracts have helped that person? In that scenario? So yes. someone going out of business? Well, there's ways to help that. So just one scenario with the contract is you have your termination clause and in the termination clause more often than not it lists all the way that they can terminate you they can terminate you for convenience which just for their, their own reasons basically they can terminate you for default which is you've not done what you said you would do and they're going to terminate you because of that that's fine realistically the termination for convenience people might have some issues with particular scaffolding companies because they can just get rid of you really quickly and hire someone in who's cheaper it's less so concerning for people who you know they've put stuff in the ground and it's hard to get rid of them from site because it's hard to get someone else in to do the job after but the actual problem in in that clause is a lot of times you don't have a way to terminate them yeah and so a scenario that you can find yourself in is month one they don't pay you for whatever reason yeah and you can't terminate and get out of the contract you have to keep working and now you're going into month two having not received the income and now your cash flow is in trouble now that's where we're back into the indigestion thing so then you're in trouble mm -hmm. whereas if you are able to terminate them let's just say you hear that they are going through financial problems and you're like oh i really want to get out of this contract they don't pay you you can go okay we're terminating the contract for default because you haven't paid us you were obliged to pay us you didn't pay us and then we're gone and you can get out of the contract fine but the other way if it's not in there you can't get out of the contract so if it's not in the contract looking at the payment act 
Act in Australia, how you have to go through a process of notifying them that you're going to stop work because you mm -hmm. haven't been paid. There's a whole heap of processes that you have to go through. Yep. Yet I've had to do that a number of times and walk away from site and lose five, ten, twenty thousand dollars here and there, and just mm -hmm. most of the time we've been able to get it back, mm -hmm. but we're risking it because there is no contract. Because a lot of the time we work off a purchase order, mm -hmm. and so what you give a quote, they give a purchase order, and then you you turn up and do the work, and you go that that purchase order is our contract. Yes. And we're working basically off the payment act, and that's all we're working off. Well, yeah, that's true, and then that's fine, okay, in itself, because you're working off the payment act. So the act becomes the terms and conditions, essentially. However, a lot of the times where you submit it, this is a real big problem for subcontractors. If we can stop the people making this mistake, it'll make a big difference. So you submit a proposal with your terms and conditions, right? Mm -hmm. And your inclusions and exclusions, okay? So that this is another problem I'll talk about. They then issue you with a purchase order over the top of it, right? More often than not, those purchase orders have their terms and conditions on it, yeah. right? It's not a contract where, and so that one then takes precedence over your contract and it might be completely different and it might have different inclusions and exclusions that you haven't accounted for and then you can find yourself in trouble with that thing. So you got to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. So a, a purchase order in itself is just a contract. You can negotiate the terms of that contract as well as anything. Okay, so yeah. you got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, in every country, so we work, we're in the, the States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. And so in every country, you've got terms and conditions he, like here, right? And above it, there is the act, the law, right? And so the contract has to comply with the law, but the contract itself might say all the different things. This, in this instance, we're going to do this thing. In this instance, we're going to do this thing. And so if we can get what we want into the contract, rather than having to rely on the act, then it's much easier for you to press the trigger and just get out. Or it's much easier for you to have a recourse. And it's easier for them as well, candidly, to, to do what they want to do. That's why the contracts are so in their favor. So they want to, you know, they want to structure it in such a way that it benefits them. Yeah, it seems that most of them are done like that. Almost everyone. So having reviewed almost 4,000 construction contracts and negotiated for like the, the same, there has been, I can count on my hand, the amount of standard contracts, whether it be an Australian standard, New Zealand standard, AIA in the, in the States, you don't see them anymore. The only thing that you do see is they'll use that template that you're familiar with and amend them. And so okay. it looks like what you're used to, but they've amended it to, they've had a lawyer go through it and amend it to be in their favor.